0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The only way to
1: score is, of course, to play uh, with a break off.
2: Hello, I'm Ian Stone and this is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Well, the season marched serenely on last night with a comfortable 3-0 win over Bodo Glimt in the Europa League. We'll talk about that game as well as look forward to a Titanic struggle against Liverpool at the Emirates on Sunday. Uh, joined this week, I am by Adrian Clark and Art de Roche. Morning. Morning, Stoney.
3: morning. Morning. morning.
2: Uh, nice to see you. Uh, uh, yeah, things are going very, very nicely. Hopefully another happy podcast. Uh, I mean, I should talk about Sean Janelle, who is an Arsenal friend from Denver in the US who tweeted us last week. He said, just listen to the pod. He said, I've only been to one Arsenal match in my life last week's North London derby. It's possible, Sean, you'll never top that. But anyway, uh, we hope you will. Obviously, later in the year. Uh, he said it exceeded expectations. I'm happy to hear it wasn't just subjectively amazing, but objectively so with a buzz of the crowd and result. I'm still buzzing. So we were wondering if you could pick one game to be your first experience of watching the Arsenal Live what game are you picking now I suppose we could have past or future games really (laughs) Uh, I don't really mind to be honest Art what game are you picking
3: Um, well unfortunately for me unlike you guys I'd never really got to experience Highbury so my one's going to have to come there and I think it's quite coincidental against Liverpool I, I think I had to pick, obviously, the Invincibles era um, to see Thierry Henry. And I went for the 4-2 win over Liverpool at Highbury because I thought for just the drama that was in that game and also the fact that he scored a hat-trick. I think that probably would have been the perfect way to start things off. But um, I can only dream about that now. I can't (laughs) actually
1: do it.
2: (laughs) That was intense, wasn't it? Adrian, were you there for
1: that I wasn't, uh, but it's one of my favourite games ever. No doubt about it. Because of the circumstance as much as everything because Arsenal were falling apart it was all going it was all beginning to collapse a sensational season and the pressure was on and for Thierry to to turn in such a a masterful performance after we'd gone behind by the way in that game was just incredible and yeah, there was real euphoria. You know that? It was. Yeah. It
2: was. I mean, Thierry Henry has talked quite a lot about that game and and uh, Amy and myself on this podcast. And because, and, as you said, I mean, falling apart is a strong word, but yeah. we'd gone out of the Champions League to Chelsea. We'd gone out of the FA Cup to Manchester United. And then suddenly we're 2-1 down to Liverpool at half-time and then Thierry does what he does. It was fantastic. It really was. So, yeah, that would be a good one. Although... I think it almost might be a bit too much for your for you newbie, to be honest, because I think they'd, they'd be slightly scared uh, of something like that. Uh, what about you, Adrian? What are you going for?
1: Yeah, uh, I, that was definitely on my short list. But I've gone with another North London derby, 2012. 2-0 down to Spurs. Another penalty, another dive. <laughs> uh, Gareth Bale this time. Um, and then we roar back, don't we, to win 5-2. That was sensational with Sanya. Great header. Van Persie, brilliant turn and, and curler into the corner. Two a piece at half time. And then wow, second half we absolutely annihilated Spurs and it was sort of Theo Walcott and Rositsky and Van Persie just flying at them and there were some great goals and the the momentum and the noise inside that stadium was was amazing. So yeah, that would that would be a good Good opener, I think, just to go through the whole emotional oh, journey as well in one it was game. Another
2: emotional one, wasn't it? And by the way, when when Adrian is talking about that five-two, he's not talking about the other five-two because <laughs> there were a couple, weren't there? So just you know, I, I would take either to be honest with you, but that one certainly when uh, when Rosicky scored to go three-two up, wasn't it? And oh, then yeah. Theo got yeah. that last one, and the noise was sensational. Yeah, uh, that's a uh, that's a good one. Um, I mean, honestly, I'm going back to Highbury as well. Um, I I remember a game against Shakhtar Donetsk, and uh, I've talked about this on here, uh, when we were 2-0 down, and Martin Keown got two uh, in that game, including the winner in the last minute, and I've never heard anything like it. One more trick, maybe. Keown! It's
0: a real Arsenal man at the real... Martin Keown, a minute and a half into stoppage time 2-0 2-0
2: down, 3-2 up. I went home and I said it was the crowd that made the difference. And I, I honestly my missus looked at me like it's the most pathetic thing I'd ever <laughs> said in my life. And then about half an hour later we watched the highlights. I say we watched the highlights. They were on. My missus was in the lounge. She had no choice but to watch the highlights. And um, at the end of the game Martin Keown said it was the crowd that did it. And I turned to her and see, see it was me. I was involved in that. And uh, she still thinks I'm an idiot, but what can you do? Um, that one, and um, and I also uh, I I'm going to go for a future game as well. Um, no, I am, I am. When we uh, when we uh, win a semi final of the Champions League <laughs> in a couple of years at the Emirates, I'm not taking a final. I'm taking a, a home game. Who are we beat uh, Do you know what? I, I'd like to say Tottenham, but that would—I <laughs> actually don't think my heart could take that, to be honest with you. A two-legged game against Spurs in the semi-final of the Champions League, because let's be fair, Spurs won't be in the Champions League if they keep playing the football <laughs> they're not, playing. Not uh, but you know, something like that. Uh, Granite Xhaka uh, leading us to glory—I uh, think—is—is is how I picture it in my head. Because we were talking about his redemption, anyway. Uh, Sean, thanks for your uh, tweet and what an amazing game uh, to start. Yeah, you really saw uh, the Emirates at its very best. (laughs) Last night... I didn't go last night. Did you guys go, by the way? Were you there? Yes, yes we did. We're not, yes. not
1: fair-weather fair fans like <laughs> yourself. Oh, stop it. Stop it. I was, do- I was doing...
2: <laughs> do you know what? I was doing an award ceremony, all right, for PR people. Uh, but anyway, I did. was, I, I was sort of sneaking uh, views of the game. Arsenal 3, Bodo glimped nil. Can we talk first about Eddie Nketiah? Adrian. Uh, we've seen and we've talked on this pod about Eddie Nketiah and how he has risen to the challenge because it started really Eddie's rebirth, if you like, before Gabriel Jesus uh, got to the club. You know, we talked about how last season, those games, the end of the season, that's what won him the contract. But since Jesus has turned up, I think he's gone to another level. And last night, he... He really was. He was the the catalyst, was he not? Or him and maybe Vieira as well. But Eddie has has really taken a number of steps forward. I think.
1: Yeah, I, I think he was. He was definitely our best player in the first half. Maybe not over the course of the whole game, but he he was excellent. I talked about it on the on the breakdown live afterwards. I said he looks bigger, and that that comes out of confidence. He's standing taller. He's got more of a presence about him on the pitch, and I also mentioned. How alike he looks to Gabriel Jesus in terms of his play, his yeah. movement, the runs, the turns, the slipperiness of his all-round game mimics really what we see from Gabriel Jesus at the weekend. So part of it, I think he's learned a bit from, from the Brazilian, but most of it is down to just belief and confidence. And it's, it's rocketed since obviously he started to get picked ahead of Lacazette. Towards the end of last season, I think that that was a real boost to him, and uh, and because he delivered then, he's just kept on delivering. It's um, yeah, it's brilliant to see because hand on heart, I didn't see him developing into the player we're now watching. I thought for the sake of his career, he'd probably be better off elsewhere. But now he look, now he look, he looks Arsenal level now, and he, he's absolutely a worthy understudy to to Gabriel Jesus. So yeah, all power to. To Eddie and Ketia, and that that finish from the rebound, I was right behind it. He made it look so easy. I mean, it pinged off the post, and his instinct was was just so calm and and collected. Yeah, brilliant from him.
2: Yeah, and and art to have another homegrown talent uh, in the group. Someone, I mean, oh, I don't know how much you want to want to play. Stop by. Oh, he knows the Arsenal. He's but he has grown up. At the club, isn't he? I mean, he was a kid when he arrived and we had such high hopes for him. I remember him coming on against Norwich in a League Cup game about, whatever, five, six years ago when he got two goals and the whole crowd are singing his name and we thought the emergence of a genuine talent. And then his career just didn't quite work out. But now he's got a serious chance of uh, of playing in major games for the Arsenal.
3: Yeah, it's quite crazy to think he's already played over 100 games for Arsenal, which I know probably most of those would be off the bench, but still, I don't think when you see that stat, you actually comprehend how long he's been in and around the first team. Like you said, it's been five years. Now he's 23. And I think you're seeing, as Adrian mentioned, he's just becoming a much more rounded player. And in terms of being um, homegrown, I think you really see... He's from London. <laughs> when, when, um, when you see the was way at he Chelsea, talks, he wasn't he as a kid. Yeah, he, he was at Chelsea, was at Chelsea before yeah, yeah. Arsenal got released, and I think within a week he was at
1: Arsenal. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah. I, I spoke to the scout, one of the scouts, last season in the press box, and he was sort of talking me through it. He said we couldn't believe it. We could, we we knew about Eddie. We just couldn't get our heads around Chelsea were letting him go, and we had to. We swooped like how straight away. Was,
2: how old was he at the time? Of the he day? was
1: 14. It's 14,
2: yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, okay.
1: So that's a mistake. A bit of mistake on their part. That's well, for sure. it
2: certainly looks. It certainly uh, looks that way, and we're we're all very pleased for him. And and it's competition, which is what we're looking for. I mean, there were some other players who who played uh, yesterday. Reese Nelson, oh, another one. I mean, we had such high hopes for Reese. Uh, in a sense. What happened with Eddie last year? Do you think it's shown the way a little bit? You know, you you, you think that someone's almost out the door. And Rhys Nelson was certainly... He was on loan, wasn't he, at finals? Yeah. Wasn't he? Uh, and then he got this injury. and but, but Mikel Arteta has sort of shown faith with him. And you could see when he came on, he wants him to do well. And he had some confidence... And we know how good he is. Again, it's competition for places.
3: You can definitely see the parallels between Nelson and and Nketi, I think, between last season and this. And just with Nelson, I think, it's not just Arteta, who obviously really liked him when he first took the job, started him in um, his first two games, I believe, against Bournemouth and Chelsea over Nicolas Pepe, and also coached him when he was doing his coaching badges as a player. I think the fans really wanted him to do well when he came on as well there was almost there's more of a buzz when he got the ball than anyone when he came on obviously Jay Zeus is a bit of an outlier to that but i think when he got the ball that whole west stand stood up and they were you could basically hear them saying come on Reese, do something and i think he really looked bright and sharp um, on the ball so it was really encouraging to see and i think as the coming weeks go on I'd hopefully expect him to start some of the games in the Europa League and impress. because over the summer it was my understanding that he would get those chances from Arteta because Arteta still likes him quite a lot and I think fingers crossed he stays fit and those are where the opportunities will come first and then you get to see I guess the the importance of the squad depth for this month and um, especially after the World Cup too.
1: In football you can never write anybody off. Not not anyone as talented as a Reese Nelson or an Eddie Nketiah. Eddie is a great example. So too is William Saliba. He's a player that let us get this right, that Arteta initially didn't really fancy. And and now look now look where he is. It wasn't long ago we were talking about, you know, he might never play for Arsenal and we're gonna we're gonna shift him on. Um, what about Mo Salah? Uh, you know, initially didn't make it really at Chelsea, wasn't it? Um, Kevin De Bruyne and,
2: uh, as well, by the exactly.
1: way. Exactly. So it, it is finding the right manager, the right home, get, taking your chance at the right time. Yeah, there's still, there is still an opportunity for Reese, because there's no doubt he's got the ability. I think half of it is finding the right position for him. I think coming in off to the left is his best position personally. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see over the course of the Europa League and and probably the Carabao Cup. See if he can deliver. Hope he can. Yeah,
3: I think he's an interesting one because when I was speaking to him at the back end of last season for an interview before the Conference League final, he said he feels more natural off the left, but he was actually performing really well off the right for Feyenoord at the back end of that year. So I think with however this season develops, the fact that he can do both to a decent level really helps him.
2: Yeah, and, and helps us as well. Um, I want to ask you guys, both of you guys, about the Europa League. It obviously isn't the calibre of the competition that you see in the Champions League. And I was watching Milan and Chelsea the other day and thinking, we're as good as these two teams. We are dev- We're above Chelsea in the league. Milan are a, a tasty team, but uh, we have players who, you know, we're, we're, I think, as good if not better than quite a lot of teams in that competition. But we're having to put up with the Europa League but do you think it is good for this sort of player development? I, I don't think, Adrian, that Rhys Nelson would be getting time off the bench or Marquinhos uh, or uh, Sambi Conga if we were playing in a Champions League group match.
1: Completely agree. Yeah, no, it's perfect. It's It's unbelievably positive news.
2: Yeah, but for, is it then is them. it then actually better that we didn't qualify for the Champions League this year, <laughs> is my point. Uh,
1: no, I would never say that because <laughs> no we can't clutch at that straw. I mean I could see the I could see you're pretty much just winding me up there.
2: No <laughs> no, no, no no I'm saying I'm talking about long term player development. No, if I get Eddie it. and Kettia no. and Reese Nelson come through saves us a hundred million quid in signing some superstar, right? N-
1: no. I, no I, but but it's good for them, better for them. But it's clearly better for the club if we're in the Champions League. <laughs> but look, this time next year it'll be fine. We'll be we'll be there then, and and these young players would have had lots and lots of experience, wouldn't they? So no, it it is perfect for tuning up the guys that Arteta wants in reserve because Arteta has probably the most fixed idea on his first eleven of all the managers in the Premier League right now. You, we could all name it. We all know yeah. his best team. So how do you motivate everyone else how do you keep them interested and on board well the answer is you play them in games like this and you reward them when they play well in games like this with chances in the premier league and we saw that with marquinhos and others will get the opportunity as well so um yeah no it's it's really good for us and buddha glimps weren't great they were terrible in the first half but in the second half they gave us a little bit of a fright and i think I think the away game might be a really challenging one. Actually, um, yeah, they've they've won week, they've won fourteen European home games in a row. Rueda glimpsed beat so, Roma
2: six um, one last year, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, these are no pushovers. They don't at all. lose.
1: They don't lose at home. So no, um, no. yeah, so so th- this particular fixture, I think, will, will be a genuine test, like a Champions League level test.
2: Yeah, uh, Fabio Vieira. Oh, um. Play, played yesterday, played really well, uh, scored his goal at the end, lovely bit of work by Jesus and he finished it. I mean, he, it, rapidly we're seeing now, aren't we, what what Edu and Arteta and the rest of the scouting team saw in him. I mean, he's going to push Martin Odegaard pretty hard, isn't he? And and that, to have competition in that spot is, is really crucial for us going forward, right?
3: Yeah, I think what is good is he's... Slightly different player to where whereas Odegaard likes to knit things together and is very considered. I think Vieira is a bit more instinctive, and you see that with how many shots he got off yesterday, and of course, everyone was kind of waiting for him to finally score. But even in his early kind of minutes in an Arsenal shirt, you could see the technique was there at Bournemouth in that under-21s game, you could see it, Um, and then... Slowly you get more Premier League, or just first team minutes actually, because his first minutes came in the Europa League. But I think with every game he's played, you can just see how quickly he works. And he's one of those players, similar to Erdegaard, who you actually appreciate more when you see them work in the flesh, I feel, because you see how clean and crisp every touch is. And yesterday was just a little glimpse into how he's different from Odegaard but can still contribute very very much to the team and I think that competition will help Arsenal in the long run because there will probably be games where he's more suited than than Odegaard but also you saw they they played together yesterday as well so I'd be interested to see in more testing games where 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 he goes um if Odegaard comes on the pitch with him does Odegaard go into that 10 and then he goes into that kind of roll. I don't know, but um it's definitely an interesting one to kind of work out which will probably keep opposition teams guessing to.
2: I think Granite is probably going to play every game from now until he <laughs> retires to be honest with you. I mean, doesn't get nice sort of... off, does he? Yeah, it doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't no, but he's but he obviously is having a great time and he doesn't he doesn't need him at the moment. Go on Adrian.
1: Yeah, yeah on, on Vieira. Um he's more in product than than dominant in the ball isn't he um yeah. I was looking I was looking at it because obviously the, the thing about Odegaard and he's the, at the moment he just give it to me and I'll make things happen whereas Vieira doesn't find it as easy to get on the ball I think B- Buda Glimt were brilliant at shrinking the space between the lines a very well coached team so so he struggled to find the space he only had 16 passes in the game yeah. um but, he, them but, all but though, they were completed all, yeah, exactly, yeah. and that was a standout of the game. Um, he had hundred percent. I think Jesus when he came on, hundred percent. Saka had hundred percent. Xhaka, uh, Xhaka ninety five. Tierney, ninety seven. We we really didn't give the ball away very very often, right. but but yeah, Vieira five shots, three key passes, but only sixteen passes overall. So it's it's a curious quirk because in that position, you would normally expect and probably demand. In a game like that, he has 50 or 60 passes. But but maybe that will come in time when he gets a bit more confident.
2: The Erling Haaland of midfield is what we're <laughs> going to call him. Uh, go on, you know, it was
3: the same against Brentford because I, I wrote something on him after that game. And he only, I think, he was ranked ninth or eighth for touches uh, yeah. by Arsenal players in that game. And then if you look at Erdegaard, Erdegaard's ranked around third in the games that he's yeah. most influential in. But it kind of reminds me of how Smith-Rowe broke into the team where Smith-Rowe was very... The way that I kind of worked it out in my head was low volume but high efficiency. So he spends very little time on the ball, but his touches are, are very important. So Smith-Rowe would play it one-two touch and get Arsenal up the pitch really quickly. And I think uh, it's slightly different with Vieira because it's very much end product based but um, yeah, it's quite a similar thing with him that I, I kind of see
2: There's also been a, quite a lot of talk this week about contracts uh, Bukayo Saka's contract talks also, uh, there's obviously a lot of chat about William Saliba and Gabriel Martinelli. It doesn't feel like the same sort of panic we felt in the past. I remember when Theo Walcott had us over a barrel with six months left in his contract and got an enormous amount of money and then barely scored for us again after that. But it feels different now, Adrian. Do you not think, I mean, this is um, a different vibe, essentially, is what's going on. And, and there doesn't seem to be any panic over it. No, there's a,
1: well, the planning has all come to fruition, hasn't it, sort of on and off the pitch, everyone's a bit more settled in their roles, and I think that yeah, we've not had major changes behind the scenes. To and distract. why would you
2: leave Arsenal uh, anyway? I mean, obviously I'm a fan, right? So yeah. I'm asking that question. But even as a as a player, Adrian, yeah, it's going to be hard to find a happier dressing room and a happier training ground than uh, than Arsenal at the moment. I surely. think so.
1: Yeah, no, I do. Ag- I agree with that. It's yeah, we're more appealing than we've been in many many. Years, aren't we? And I think everyone is really, really happy. You can see that, but but with contracts, you have agents involved, and you have agents in the ears of the players. Boom. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and 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 at the moment, the only issue I, I feel because I I think that they would all sign just like that if they didn't have agents. They'd just say, yeah, give me the pen. Let's do it. Because they've got agents who have business heads, who know it's World Cup year where values uh, and their commodities can increase in value over the course of one month, you know, if it's really, really successful. I, I just sense that that the agents across the board would be telling their players to wait. Yeah, don't um, sign.
2: Don't sign. Have a great World Cup and then mm. we'll get another 20 grand a week on the contract. That, and that's that what they'll be saying, is, yeah perfect business sense in a way but I don't feel uh, any concern and this is it's unusual when it comes to our young talent but uh, (laughs) do you know what we should clip this just so when all three leave at the end of the season (laughs) we're laughing but it's not funny it's It's good it's good with these things
1: though you might as well strike while everything's rosy and, and everyone's so happy so it does make sense to push for it while we're flying, because, you know, you're obviously going to be more likely to convince these players to commit long-term then. So, yeah, I, I don't feel worried about any of them at the moment. But the issue is, if we don't win something this season, then, or, you know, Matt, we know that managers like Martinelli, they like Saka. You know, these are two players that, that are really covered to Martin Erdegaard as well. So, yeah, we've got a lot of valuable players um, in the eyes of the world's big hit Biggest hitters, yeah. Now. So um, we do have to be wary that it could happen. Yeah, if a Man City come in for a player or a Liverpool, it's not easy to walk away from that. If you're well, let's team, win
2: if you're a something player. this mm. season, Ar. I mean, that's <laughs> what we need to do, right? Win, win a trophy, finish in the top four, and uh, and then we know we're making progress, right? Yeah, easy I mean, as that. <laughs> it, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, I'm saying it, but you know, we've started pretty well. Played ten games, won nine of them. Probably should have won the other one as well. So we've started pretty well. And obviously, you'd say to Bukayo Saka, don't you want to play with William Saliba? Of course, you do. And then say to the other way round as well. And Gabriel Martinelli is the same. I feel confident. Uh, I hope uh, you do too, listener. And as we mentioned, Liverpool. We'll get into their visit uh, to the Emirates next. This is handbreak off from the Athletic.
0: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences, like official gear Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
2: Through by Bellerin, turning his Ramsey, rolled in for Sanchez, away from Toure, Sanchez, wonderful, 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 what a goal! Arsenal play Liverpool on Sunday at the Emirates, there's an 11 point gap between the teams, Are Arsenal are ahead by 11 points, no one saw that coming, right?
3: It's very, very strange,
0: <laughs> and I
3: think um, you see with the arguments throughout the season has been Arsenal have only played easy teams. But I feel like that's such a lazy kind of statement to make because you see with Liverpool how they've started this season. They've drawn to Fulham. They've drawn to Crystal Palace, who Arsenal have beaten both teams. Brighton. um... Um, Brighton as well. Although Arsenal aren't really... They don't really have the best history against Brighton. But I think you see with Liverpool, no game is really that easy in the Premier League. Um, so I think... Except you, for Bournemouth. <laughs> 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 except, yeah, except for Bournemouth. But I think you... <laughs> and Tottenham, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I think you see you've just got to take your points wherever they come. And going into the weekend, Arsenal, obviously in, in very good momentum. So I'm just hoping that that kind of carries through and you see an Arsenal team that are willing to kind of take the game to Liverpool rather than waiting for Liverpool to Liverpool to play and I think if you think back to the game of the Emirates last season in the Premier League they played quite well in the first half Uh, it was 0-0 at half time and there was still kind of belief (laughs) during half time that something could happen but then Diogo Jota shows up um, in the second half and the game's done within 10 minutes I just hope that they can have another fast start because they've started games really quickly this year and just kind of build Build from there, and hopefully, as you mentioned earlier, Ian. Hopefully, the crowd kind of takes them on a wave throughout the game.
2: Yeah, uh I mean, they're going to fear us, aren't they, Adrian? In a way that perhaps they haven't before. You know, you know that scene in Gladiator where they're in the uh, that that sort of moth. Moss- Eaten gladiatorial arena somewhere in the Middle East. We're not sure where. You know, the, the first one before remember. he gets the rope. <laughs> remember this? And no he, idea and, what you're and talking about. Russell Crowe walks out, right, and he, he kills a lot of people. And then the second time he walks out, all the blokes who are there to kill him take a step back, Right because they respect him, because he's the general at that point. And I feel that Liverpool are going to have the same attitude. When we come out, they're going to just take a step back and go, oh, yeah, 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 this is not a team we can roll over now. If you haven't seen the film, you won't have a clue what I'm talking about there. But I listen, it's Gladiator. It's you not like some minor picture. art yeah. house movie. Yeah. I did. I think Liverpool fear us and will fear us. And we're going to target Trent, aren't we? Let's be fair. Well,
1: yeah, I was looking at the goals Liverpool have conceded, and a lot of teams have had success targeting him That's Targeting him down that side. 2v1 overloads. And what, what have Arsenal been doing all season anyway? It's creating overloads, particularly down the left hand side, where yeah. Xhaka and Martinelli and Gabriel Jesus have kind of formed this triangular axis where two of them at any given time are popping up on, on the fullback and playing around them. So, yeah, in that sense, Liverpool are tailor made for Arsenal here, but. It's not as simple as that. They're they're a really good team. We have a bad record against them. We haven't scored in our last six meetings with Liverpool, Um, which just I had I've had to double check it numerous occasions. Really? Yes, six matches without a goal against Liverpool. And and look, this used to be a fixture that was you know free scoring. We scored lots. They scored lots. They usually won, but that, that hasn't been the case of late. So. We, but but yeah, as you rightly point out, we're in a much better place. They will respect us more. And we're a team on the up. And I see them as a team that may be on the slide. And when you think about the age profile of the team, that is probably logical. I was looking at Liverpool, their, their 3-3 draw against Brighton, seven over 30s. The average age was 28 and a half. For us, the average age is 243 last weekend and we have one over 30 and that's Granit Xhaka who is 30. So 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 we we have got a young emerging team. We are basically 5 years behind Liverpool in terms of the profile of our player and that is a positive because they're coming to the end of a cycle. And they need to regenerate. We we're, we're on we're on the up. So I think this is a great clash. I expect goals. I think both teams will probably score. And uh, it could be a bit of a shootout. I just hope, I really hope, we can come out on the right side of that shootout because the belief it will give the players if we can beat Liverpool is is frightening. And, well, um, beating
2: Tot- beating Tottenham and then beating Liverpool uh, in a week uh, and and brushing aside Bird of Glimpse, I know it wasn't an easy game, but you know, uh, with our with most of our reserve team, that is a real statement. Um, I mean, Amy talked last week uh, about William Saliba. I I mean, the guys played, well, I don't know, eight games or something for us. It is a bit ridiculous, but. A lot of people, a lot of people, some people are talking about this sort of Van Dyke effect that he had. Oh, I can see your face when I'm saying this. I'm just talking. I mean, look, it doesn't make any difference to William Saliba. He doesn't listen yeah. to us and go, I am Virgil Van Dyke," right? He doesn't. So we're free to say what we want. And what we see, what we see is William Saliba at the back and... He's got that sorted in the same way that Van Dyke had in those early days for Liverpool.
3: He's unbelievably composed, both with and without the ball. And I think that's probably where those comparisons come from. But I see him as someone who just lets Arsenal play the way Mikel Arteta wants them to play in all aspects of the game. You saw that moment in the Tottenham game where... I think it's Son and Richarlison are pressing him inside the Arsenal box and he just spins away. I was actually oh. watching the game with um, a friend who hadn't watched William Saliba play yet. And he was... I was about to swear. I don't know if we're allowed to swear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he was very scared in that moment because um, re- he would not been—he hadn't been exposed to what Saliba can do. And obviously, over time, I guess we've come become accustomed to that, his just spinning away from pressure and being, being able to kind of see what's going on but yeah I think going into the Liverpool game it'll be really interesting to see one how high they still defend and two how he deals with those kind of pressure situations inside the box which I think he will do well and hopefully he just continues that momentum throughout obviously the game itself and then in the weeks to come too.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if Klopp goes to a front two again because he did in the in the Champions League. I don't know if you saw this, Tony, against Rangers. He kind of went 4-4-2 yes. with yes. Nunez and Xhota. Oh, it's, it's annoying for us that Xhota's fit again because he loves scoring against us. But with, with Salah and Luis Diaz as the wingers. Now, in one sense, that's a bit scary because two strikers occupying our centre-halves creates unbelievable pressure on them. And the way we defend with the sort of full-backs pushed on but quite central, leave space naturally down the sides. And whether that's Salah, Diaz or one of the forwards spinning into it on those counters, I think Liverpool could have joy. Flip it around though, if they go 4-4-2, our midfield should absolutely dominate because they'll have two in there. We'll have Party, Zinchenko, Xhaka, and Erdegaard effectively on a 4v2 I don't
2: think and you know what
1: happens then yeah yeah, exactly I don't think they will but they could Um, and if and if that happens defenders will get drawn towards Xhaka and Erdegaard which leaves space for us to exploit so it will be fascinating because Klopp has made quite a big deal about changing that structure so yeah fascinating to see if he's Brave enough to do it against in-form Arsenal. I hope. I personally hope he does, because I think it will make for a great game and a really interesting tactical one.
2: And just on Saliba, one more thing, because you know we've all sort of said, oh, he's such a young guy and he's going to make mistakes. Um, and I mean, we we shouldn't forget, he already made one against Fulham. He scored an own goal, and the crowd's reaction. I mean, I've never really seen anything quite like that. I think I think people were a little bit taken aback by, by the level of support and the level of it's okay. It was like a 60,000 people giving him a collective hug, really, genuinely. And I think that has made him step up even more. I think he knows that we've got his back. And so we have talked quite a lot about the crowd on this podcast. And it does feel great, does it not? Uh, art to, to feel collectively part of this whole process, really. I mean, we're, we, we are playing our part, are we not?
3: Yeah, that was against Leicester, actually, not Fuller. Sorry, but, um, sorry. I think that moment was very weird in a good way because it almost seemed like everyone... Knew what to do. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And for that to happen with 60,000 people, I, I don't think that will happen again. And it was very unique because I think just the day before, Arteta had spoken about having to protect Saliba when things go wrong. And it just so happened that the next day, something went wrong. And everyone kind of gave him that collective hug, as you're talking about, Ian. And I think just you saw slowly last season the atmosphere got really really good second half of the year in particular and it's obviously been helped this year by the ashburn army in the clock end but i think the big games is where you really see it because you just see how up for it everyone is and it it now feels like every game means something again whereas um i think if you rewound just before the pandemic hit i think there wasn't really that sense of every game meaning something. And it was almost just a sense of apathy, really. Um, How
1: many times does a player... Because in the past, with late Wenger era or during bad times under Unai or what, whatnot, early Arteta, it one mistake by any player was seized on. And it was like, ah, you are rubbish! You know, you could just hear it. You could hear the, hear the groans. It feels like this that, that now... Anyone can do anything in terms of making a mistake, and they'll still get support because there's so much good faith in the bank. It feels like you you almost make three or four mistakes before before the fans will start to to get disgruntled, and that's that's a lovely place to be.
2: But Adrian, yeah, surely as a player, I mean, we were talking earlier about about Saka and Martinelli and uh, and um, Saliba not having signed contracts. And one of the things that would make you sign a contract, you'd think, oh, my God, there's 60,000 people, plus all the others lot, who genuinely love me and love what I do and and are prepared to let me express myself, even though things might not work out. And, uh, I mean, that's a very, very compelling case for staying.
1: Very compelling. Very, very compelling. Players have signed for clubs like Liverpool in the past because of the fans, because of, you know, those big nights where it's great atmospheres. And now Arsenal are putting themselves in a position um, where players are wanting to be part of the whole, you know, the whole party. (laughs) You know, it's uh, it's, it's some turnaround. It is (laughs) some turnaround. Given, you know, probably a year ago, or just over a year ago now, it was not... A nice place to go and play football. There was it was a pressure cooker situation. So, yeah, no, let's let's just k- keep it as it is, please. It's great.
2: What we're looking for special European nights at the Emirates. All right, now people will talk about this from years to come. Right, <laughs> <laughs> like Anfield, only it's different now. Yeah, the Emirates. Nobody ever wins at the Emirates. Um, <laughs> let's have. Uh, let's have a song uh, to finish. Uh, Adrian, what have you got for
1: well, us? Yeah, all right, don't <laughs> laugh before I start. The, uh, you <laughs> I'm
2: you not know, laughing. I'm you know
1: it's not, not. going to be obscure. You know you're going to know it. Um, <laughs> and it's, I, I had contracts in my head when I was thinking about a song here with Saka and Saliba and Co. So I have got a bit of a classic by Al Green. Let's stay together. Let's yes. stay together. Yes, yes, absolutely
2: it's a beaut- fantastic.
3: Um, so yeah, uh, marvelous song. Ah, uh, oh, what have you got? Uh, I've taken a leaf out of Adrian's book and gone. Well, this is from a few months ago. He went Katy Perry. So I'm going very early 2010s pop as well. Um, Inspired by Eddie and scoring yesterday. Call me maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> I like that song. <laughs> I like. That. I actually like that song too.
2: Uh, uh, all right, I'm having um, I'm having Groovy Train. Uh, but is it the farm? Is it the farm who did that? Adrian, you're so special. Get on, get on, get on. Oh yeah, get song, on my yeah. Groovy Train. Yeah. Uh, I, anyway, that song. Cause um, And that's really talking about the people who might be holding out for uh, contracts. Get on the groovy track. Yeah, that's
1: good. three good that's choices there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that's what we've got at the Emirates at the moment. Uh, that's it. Enjoy the game, uh, Sunday. I'm sure you all will. Thanks to Art. Thanks to Adrian. Thanks to Guy, our producer this week. And uh, have a nice day, listener. I'm Ian Stone. This has been Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletics. See ya.